God, lift up your hands and let's give honor and praise to Jesus right now. Praise God, praise God, praise God. So I invited you already to Isaiah 40, and I want us to read from verse number 1 onwards. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Let us say speak tenderly to Zambia. Speak tenderly to Africa. And proclaim to her that her hard service. Oh, thank you, Kaingu. And this, this team here um, is just marvelous. The band, the big hand for them. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you so much. I'll be calling you back a little later uh, so that we can uh, be helped as we are responding to the message of the Lord. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, to Zambia, to Africa, and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. And I sense that when this kind of word is coming, God is preparing us for a new season. That whatever it is that we are facing is slowly coming to a close and preparing us for something more. That her sin has been paid for that she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. And that's what I like, the next portion there. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert, in the desert, meaning in your circumstance, begin to do something right there. Sometimes those circumstances will not change immediately. But right in the circumstance, Prepare in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. Rugged places, a plain and, a plain, excuse me. And then verse 5 says, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all the people will see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So I want to read verse 6 and 7 because I'll be focusing partially on part of that, uh, partially on that, and a few other things within chapter 40. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry out? So Isaiah asks, what shall I cry out? All the people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, what we're considering today is actually over almost the whole chapter. We don't have time to read all those verses, but I've read these first eight just to prepare our hearts so that we know where we are headed. The Lord add blessing to the reading of his word. And let's pray one more time. Father, thank you for the opportunity for us to gather in your presence. I ask now that the unction of the Holy Spirit will be our portion. And preacher and those hearing will be aided by the Holy Spirit to capture, convey, and to receive 
that which you have ordained. In Jesus' holy name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Praise God. You may kindly be seated. For those of you who are physically here, and um, let me introduce what God has given us for this day. The message the Lord has given is something I have entitled, What to Do When Life Offers You More Questions Than Answers. What to do when life offers you more questions than answers. We will spend some time in the book of um, Isaiah, starting with chapter 40. And I will work with this just for probably uh, a few weeks, just as the Lord leads us. And as you notice, we have pended our message for the year uh, on the series. We'll go there when, as and when the time comes. But somehow, as we took this recess from um, physical church, and now we are resuming slowly, I believe the Lord will guide us, and we will make our way back to the last segment of our uh, theme message for the year. For now, these are the interim things that the Lord is giving us, and we're moving with that uh, bit by bit, uh, especially since uh, the, uh, the time of um, our uh, Father's um, Day uh, in June. So the book of Isaiah is where we're turning now. Coming back to this, and we've done this many times. Isaiah is an amazing book within the group and section of um, uh, the biblical literature that we refer to as prophetic uh, literature. So Isaiah is in that category. It contains what we know as common writing, which is called prose. But it also contains poetry. And the kind of poetry that Isaiah has is absolutely unique. It is extremely beautiful in the way it is arranged. And um, part of the beauty of what Isaiah presents as poetry, for instance, is considered by many biblical scholars as unsurpassed in the entire Old Testament. That it is unsurpassed when it is compared. It is rich in imagery and uh, an aspect of, uh, of, of, of literature presentation that we refer to as wordplay, where words are used, sometimes two words, in the same way. Sometimes uh, a word that looks like the other. Um, we refer to this as, um, as uh, in literature as, as alliteration, where you, the word that you mention is a little similar, and maybe they start the same way, or they have the same uh, kind of um, uh, projection. So you find word number one, word number two, word number three, are sort of similar, and they increase the intensity of what we're learning. And a lot of that is present in the book of Isaiah. So it's very, very amazing. It employs a much larger variety of the Hebrew language in terms of vocabulary than any other book in the Bible. Now, if that's the sort of arrangement, it's not coincidence. It means that God prepared the prophet Isaiah in this fashion for a specific reason. 
because of the nature of his message, it needed the variety. It needed the level of variety so that it would be easier for people to identify with the many facets. So it's best for us to recognize that and work with God's provided variety. Isaiah also uses something that we call personification. And we see a lot of this in poetic literature. When you're reading uh, Proverbs, there's a lot of personification there. Where in Proverbs, for instance, the, uh, the writer says, wisdom is. And it begins to refer to wisdom as a person. That's an, uh, an aspect of uh, literature um, activity that we refer to as personification. Some of that appears in uh, the book of Isaiah. For instance, in um, chapter 24 and verse 23, let me just read for you. Chapter 24, verse 23, Isaiah says, The moon will be dismayed, the sun ashamed. Hmm? How do you talk about the moon being dismayed? It's people that are dismayed. The sun ashamed. And so giving some sort of character that you would only find in persons. That is very, very plentiful in the book of Isaiah. And I'm mentioning this so that we understand part of what we have to deal with today. Isaiah uses personification in that sense. Isaiah also fully uh, utilizes um, the power of imagery. So when you're examining, for instance, chapter 30 of Isaiah, and you're reading, say, from verse number 27, I'm just giving you some examples here. Amazing, amazing. That is why you must make use of the Bible. The Bible is a unique collection and piece of literature. Isaiah chapter 30. For instance, when you're reading from, say, verse number 27, here is how Isaiah uses the power of imagery. See, the name of the Lord comes from afar with burning anger. Think about that, burning anger. With burning anger and dense clouds of smoke. That's a powerful combination. His lips are full of wrath. His tongue is a consuming fire. His breath is like a rushing torrent. <laughs> then he goes on and says, rising up to the neck, he shakes the nations in the civil of destruction, in the sieve of destruction. Imagine the, the image there. He places, in the, he places in the jaws of the peoples a bit that leads them astray. And you will sing as on the night you celebrate a holy festival. Your hearts will rejoice. And he goes on and on. And when people playing pipes go up to the mountain of the Lord, then the rock of, Is the rock of Israel, the Lord will cause his people to hear his majestic voice. And so he's, he's working with imagery to present the message of the Lord. Now this is very important for you and I to understand. Keeping that in mind, let me share one more detail and then I begin to get into some of what uh, we are applying for today. One more detail. So when you look at Isaiah in full, 
with the 66 chapters it has, if you were to divide it into two, chapters 1 to 39 are considered the book of judgment. Chapters 40 to 66, and we're starting at 40 today. Chapters 40 to 66 are considered the book of comfort. And what a time for us to read Isaiah 40, because the world needs comfort. Because our lives need comfort. And we need to be able to see this. And so as we see the transition from Isaiah 39 to Isaiah 40, let me give you a background. There is a narrative there where some people from Babylon come and they visit Hezekiah. In chapter 38, Hezekiah is presented as having been sick. And we all know the story. Hopefully we know the story of how he cried out to the Lord and um, God, uh, God heard him. In chapter 39, uh, there are envoys from Babylon who come. And when they came... And they seemed like they brought a letter which appeared like it brought good news. Hezekiah just opened up and he began to show them everything in the house. Then Isaiah the prophet came to Hezekiah. And he said, who are these people? So Hezekiah mentions who they were. And he says, I took them around. I showed them everything. What is this message they have brought? Isaiah the prophet went to the king and asked him, what did these men say? Where did they come from? From a distant land, Hezekiah says. And unfortunately, Hezekiah had misread the situation. He thought they brought good news. And so Isaiah begins to put this into perspective and helps Hezekiah to actually know that um, while this appeared like peace, there was actually going to be a challenge. So in verse 8, the word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied, for he thought there will be peace and security in my lifetime. And what we know is that that was not the case. This is very, very similar to our days and time. 2019, when we were thinking, ah, all is peaceful, all is good, suddenly things changed. Something called Corona came on the scene. And as we began to hear those stories from Wuhan and then spreading to all over the world, and as we began to watch the news, everybody was asking, when is this going to end? What's the date today? 18th July, 2021. Who thought that this thing would last that long? And that our lives would be sort of disrupted and changed like this. This is the way life is sometimes. Sometimes life presents situations that raise more questions than answers. And we are in that phase. And somehow as I've been meditating and praying to the Lord, the Lord has led me to the book of Isaiah. And that is why I began by this elaborate sharing of what the book of Isaiah is like. Because from there, we will learn some lessons that God is presenting to us during this season. And I want to begin by highlighting five lessons. We won't cover them all, five today, all the five, but we will commence with those five. Five lessons 
that I have gleaned from um, the book of Isaiah, particularly chapter 40, that help us to begin to know what to do when life presents more questions than answers. So here's Hezekiah. He has misread the situation. And in that moment, Hezekiah needed a prophet. He needed an Isaiah to help him to understand, no, 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 it's not, it's not actually peace and security. And there was a season of real trouble. And that's why Isaiah 40 comes in to now bring comfort. Because there are those moments, beloved, when there's been so much pain, so much trial, so much destruction. And we need the comfort of the Lord. And so you notice Isaiah 41, 40 verse 1 begins by saying, Comfort, comfort my people. And in any case, let me mention to you that that double arrangement of, uh, of the words, and again, this is Isaiah's style. Comfort, comfort. It's like... Um, they're being told, look, you are in a state where you are in need of not just regular comfort, but great comfort. And this is what God is presenting. And in this season, beloved, I know we've had more than a share of difficulty and trouble that we would ask for. May you have double comfort today in the name of Jesus. May you have double comfort for your trouble and everything else that you have faced. But let's walk through some steps. Number one. What to do when life offers you more questions than answers? Accept your limitations. I have observed, beloved, that this world, um, even when God allows some of these very strange things as what we have faced, somehow there's an aspect of us as human beings that's very rigid and self-focused. Um, the best word to use in English is the word obst obstinate, where people see somebody so hard, um, so focused and stiff, and so believing in themselves that they think they can still solve their own problems. That's unfortunately the character of humanity. A characteristic that you see even today. Even with everything we have faced, there's a way as humanity that we are acting to save face. It's, it's a, a revelation of a characteristic we call uh, as being obstinate, very rigid, and very stiff-necked and very determined to still be self-providing, self-solving. Um, and there is a reminder. This whole pandemic should be a reminder that we have limitations as human, as human beings. Even with the best of knowledge, technology, and science, there's a desire now to say, yeah, science is finally speaking. You've heard it said. The narrative has been, finally, the politicians are listening to science. Because, so it's a battle of people. Where the, the, the people who, who are in this field are now saying, finally, science can speak. Yes, science is speaking. But science doesn't resolve everything. 
doesn't. We've got to realize that even science has limitations. Let me illustrate. When uh, this pandemic hit and we began to get people in the, the scientific world beginning to look for solutions and eventually coming up with vaccines and these things have their place and we can honor those who are faithfully working to try and preserve life for the hard work they put in. But you notice that even with this great, these great breakthroughs that they considered as vaccines, even with those, there are limitations. What are you hearing the scientists saying? They're saying we're still learning. They're saying we don't have the answers. We heard them saying, even for just the behavior of the virus, they said we're still learning. We don't know. Concerning some of the vaccines, just a few days ago, they began to say, well, we know. I'm not sure where, whether we now need to prepare for a booster. People have had two shots already, and they're saying maybe it will be a booster because they can't answer the questions of the fact that they do not know how long the immunity that's meant to be generated by these vaccines will actually last. Will it last three months, six months, a year, two years? I saw a study uh, concerning one of the vaccines the other day saying that one of the vaccines is being seen as having immunity that may be assured for a lifetime. Even then, the scientists are saying, we don't know. They're still studying data. So human beings have limitations. The sooner we admit this, the better. Science can't answer all. We believe in science. True science honors God. But even that has limitations. So for you and I, beloved, you know, our little homes, in our small worlds, let us accept that we have limitations. The sooner we do that, the better. So let me take you to verse 6, 7, and 8. A voice cries out, chapter 40. A voice cries out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass. And all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field, the grass withers. Ah, that's you and I, beloved. We have limitations. The grass withers. We must admit that we don't know everything. Hello? We don't know everything. There will be times when you will put in so much, but see very little result. In this case, it is said that they had put in hard service. Take note of verse number two. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. So they had put in hard service. Look at the amount of money and effort into the innovations that people are looking for to answer and solve our problems. While the pandemic is on, can you imagine what's happening in Germany? Torrential rainfall. To an extent that the river banks break forth. Houses are swept. And with all the projections that have been made about climate uh, um, this, the, 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 the climate change and everything else and all the preparations and the amounts of money that have gone into trying to create this green response all around. Boom! And lives have been lost. And we, we need to remember those families 
those who've survived and have lost loved ones in a deluge of that kind of nature. But as I watched the news the other day and seeing homes being swept away, I remember one scenery where they were showing a pile of cars and the news reporter was saying what really happened here is that there was just this whole big move and force from the water and they were showing cars piled. All gone at once. This is life. Putting in so much, yet taking out so little. Beloved, let's acknowledge we have limitations. We are weak, like grass. And the sooner we admit that, the better. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Because the breath of the Lord blows them away, surely the people are grass. Verse number eight, the grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. So, beloved, I want us during this period, while we're looking for hope, and while there are all these innovations, and we will utilize them, we will, we will access them, and so on, but we can't think that we know it all, or that man knows it all. In fact, it is as a result of the fact that sometimes man tends to push himself in a way where he's thinking he has all the answers that God will allow these kinds of things. And say, okay, let me just let you test a little bit of what can happen when things go out of control. And with all your knowledge and the technology have enabled you to find and to access, just here, look. You can't handle it. Verse number eight, the last part. The grass withers, the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. So while we accept our limitations, I want to go on to number two. You and I are a different breed. You and I are people who have come to know their Lord. They are God. So look back at verse number one. Comfort, comfort. God says, my people. Hallelujah. Comfort, comfort, my people. So in the midst of all this, God still singles out his people. Daniel presented something similar. That those, he talked about the days as becoming evil and so much happening. But then he said in, Daniel, in chapter 11, verse 32, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. When you're reading back to go into the books of history, in Chronicles, God says, when he talks about calamity coming around the world, he then he says, but if my people who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Beloved, you are a privileged people. God has singled you out. And how did this happen? When we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are 
his people. Now I know the whole creation is his and he still cares for the whole creation. But remember Exodus chapter 19 verse 5 that even though the whole creation is his, Exodus 19 verse 5 he says, you my people are precious to me. And I've often explained the strong Hebrew uh, language that's used there and the picture indicated where I have said the picture in, in Exodus 19 verse 5 is that God looks at the earth like a ring. Like a ring. I've often used that example. And that his people are like that gem on the ring. The precious gem. So in this whole arrangement of the calamities and the confusion and the billions who don't know what to do, I want you to remember you are God's child. You are God's people. Hallelujah. So lesson number two is focused towards God's people. And I suggest it as follows. After you accept your limitations, the number two, focus on God's mission for your life. In this whole arrangement, when life offers more questions than answers, you as God's child, focus on, your, on God's mission for your life. God's mission for your life. Come with me to verse number 9 of Isaiah 40. Bible says there, you who bring good news. Ah, again, I'm saying we are selected. We are special. God singles us out. You, you, you who bring good news to Zion. Go up on a high mountain. You, who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, say to Zambia, say to Africa, here is your God. In other versions, it says, behold your God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. But first, before we go to that, let me just focus on this. Focus on God's mission for your life. In the past, we have taught and said, the main thing in life is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing in life is to keep the main thing the main thing. Which means, for you and I, as you know, the main thing is to do his will. Jesus said, he came, John 4, 34 onwards, in order to fulfill the mission that his father had sent him. This is my will, my will, my desire, my mission is to do the will of my father and to finish his work. For those of you who are here physically in the church, there, there is the, oops, I think our battery, all right. The pointer isn't working. Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Focus on God's mission for your life. As you focus on God's mission for your life, everything around you will be defined by that mission 
that you have. Let not the circumstances around you define you. You define your circumstances. And it can only happen when you focus on God's mission for your life. Hallelujah. Is this making sense to someone here today? Lift up one hand and shout, praise the Lord. Shout hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. So lift up your voice, whether it's in prayer. Lift up your voice, whether it's in witnessing. Lift up your voice. Shout it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Zambia, here is your God. I want to move on to the third thing. The third lesson, which I'd like to suggest for today, leads us into verse number 10. Be assured of God's enduring care. 10 and 11. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. We'll come back to verse 9 shortly. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. Good focus on verse number 11 for this one. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. Are you ready for the next line? The next line says, he carries them close to his heart. In the King James Version, it talks about his bosom, close to his heart. And he gently leads those who have the young. These are powerful images. Remember, I talked about Isaiah as using imagery. These are powerful images of a shepherd carrying the young, carrying his flock, gathering the lambs in his arms and carrying them close to his heart. The song that we used to sing from what we called the red hymnal. It says, there is a place of full release near to the heart of God. Beloved, I know the circumstances of this life make it look like you're being pushed far away and far away from God's care. But I have come to remind you, be assured today of God's enduring care. Be assured today of God's enduring care. He carries us, the Bible says, close to the heart. This, I want you to picture as an image. Better still, when we think about an image like this, we can go back to what Moses was told or what Moses said to the Lord in Numbers chapter 11. Let's go there together quickly. I want to just draw another parallel. In Numbers chapter 11, Moses was talking to the Lord and he was troubled in his heart. And he was asking a number of questions from verse number 10 because it appeared like he knew God was expecting him to do something. But this was hard for him to do. So Moses complains. In verse 10 of Numbers 11, Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance of the tents. There's trouble here. Moses was troubled. The Lord became exceedingly angry, excuse me, and then Moses was troubled. So he asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble 
on your servant. What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Now, I want you to capture a conversation here that is very unique, which Moses plays back to God, but for us also to learn. And here is the conversation. He says, what have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Having that courage, talking to God. (laughs) Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land? Now, for Moses to replay this conversation. It means there had been a conversation where God said to Moses, Moses, carry the people. As a nurse carries a child, an infant. That's another very powerful image. That image is equivalent to what God is presenting for the people in the book of Isaiah, where he's carrying them close to his heart. The word a nurse, a mother carries a child, a nurse carries an infant, a nurse there is a carer. And the real picture there is a mother who is caring and carries a child close to the heart. There's bonding taking place. There's something close taking place. I have come to remind you, beloved, that at this time of this much difficulty around you, when life is offering more questions than answers, you are not abandoned. God carries you close to the heart. Be assured of that. That's a lesson I have learned. And it's important for God's people to know you are not like anybody else. Yes, you may face some of what other people are facing, but when you face these things, you are protected. You are carried close to the heart of God. Somebody shout, hallelujah. Praise God. And so for that reason, you and I must understand why we are in God's house in this fashion. Be assured of God's enduring care. Actually, I will quickly run over this. I will finish the five. I think I've done fairly okay. I want to finish the five because it will make a little more sense for all of us. Fourthly, be assured of God's sustained sovereignty. Here we pick up verse 9 and also go to verse 12. In verse 9, see, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him. Now, I want you to notice here, beloved, what's actually happening is that God has this tender picture. Take note at the beginning, he says, speak tenderly. And this image of children, a child being close to the heart, is a, is a tender, it's a warm picture. It's God presenting this warmth of how he cares for his people. And I want us to understand, beloved, it doesn't matter how much the pain might be. It doesn't matter how many loved ones we may have lost. God is comforting his people. Receive his comfort here today. He is carrying you and I, and he will take us through. And it doesn't matter how much more 
how many more levels of darkness might come. His light will still shine through. But I have come to convey that God is carrying you. And just like we said in the last two weeks, while the floods went up, the ark went up, God carries his people. We are in his arms. And uh, good, the, that wonderful song in Sunday school, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world. He's got you and me, brother, it says. And so God has you in his hands. Be assured of his sustained sovereignty. When God is seemingly silent, the word is silent there, there is a temptation to think. Um, sometimes we think too much. And there's also a temptation to do too much because we think God is silent, so we must act. But you see, in that, in that time when it appears like you're not hearing the voice, God is teaching us to wait. And in the past, I've taught on waiting, and I've said waiting has two purposes. Preparation, meaning you're being prepared for a new season. So during this season, if you think God is silent, just wait, because he's preparing us for a new season and an appointed time. In the past, I've also taught, when I talk about uh, the purposes of waiting, I've said one is for preparation. Secondly, it is for character formation. Last week, we talked about resilience that God is building. That's character formation, resilience. Count it all joy when you go through trials of all kinds. James chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 says, because in the trial of your faith, God is preparing you. God is also building your character. Uh, think about Revelation chapter 8 and um, verse number 1 to 6. There the Bible talks about a moment when there was silence in heaven for a brief moment. Now, when there was silence in heaven, when you read on, there are a number of activities that were actually taking place in the background. And let me just mention that because before I go to the final point. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels. Now, in that period, it wasn't like nothing was happening. I saw an angel, um, seven, seven angels who stood, uh, who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of God's people on the golden altar in the front of the throne. And so what was happening here as all this was taking place is that there was activity in the background. And when you hear the mention of uh, an angel with a golden censer and then mentioning prayer, it is very clear arrangement of the fact that during those moments when we think nothing is happening, God is processing your tears, processing your prayers. We must continue to pray. Waiting is something that we do on our knees. Wait upon God. Is there something we need to do just now? All right, please take care of it. Hallelujah. It is important, beloved. In those moments of, of, of waiting, wait on your knees. Wait upon the Lord. He logically tells us that when we wait, we get renewed. And this is what I want to wrap up with today. So, in those moments of silence, wait upon the Lord. Wait upon Him. Meaning, you are assured of God's sustained sovereignty. What the waiting does is that it causes us to acquiesce and to stop uh, for a while what we might think is just our initiative. 
that, that posture, I've, and I've demonstrated it many times, that posture of waiting on your knees, waiting upon the Lord and calling upon him is really a recognition of God's sovereignty, that he's bigger, let him do what he must do. Somebody shout hallelujah. Let him have his way. Be assured of God's sustained sovereignty. Just surrender. So look at verse 12 onwards. We won't read the whole thing, but just drawing our attention towards God's sovereignty. And this is how Isaiah paints it before I go to the final point. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? This is Isaiah calling us towards God's sovereignty. And with the breadth of his hand, marked the heavens. Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales? Look at the powerful imagery that Isaiah paints here and uses. Excuse me. Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord, capital S, and instruct the Lord on his, as his counselor? With whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? A song, an old, old song is coming to my mind. Who taught the son? Remember? That's what's coming to my mind as I'm reading this right now. Where to uh, hide? The moon, rather, where to hide? And so on. That song, I can't even remember who sang that, but very powerful song. And she goes on and says, I think it's a lady, and she goes on to say, I know my Redeemer lives. Very powerful song. Verse 15. Surely nations are like a drop in his bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for the altar or the fires, nor the animals enough for burnt offerings. He goes on and on. And then verse 21, he says, do you not know? Have you not heard? Have you not, have you not been told from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And so he's talking about God's sovereignty here. Above the circle of the earth, its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads out the tent, like the earth like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of the world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground. He blows on them and they wither and the whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. And so this is God being described in his sovereignty. And at this time, beloved, we don't have to say too much. It's not always where we have to say something. Sometimes it's okay to let it look like someone else is winning. Let them win. Let them play. You know where your strength is. You know where your hope is. Do not try to, to, to get to the center and make it look like all is okay. There are sometimes when things are not okay and it's okay to say they are not okay. Let me wait. Somebody shout hallelujah. And even for us as a nation, it helps to wait. My last point. Lesson number five. Be assured of divine renewal. This is where verse 28 comes in. And that leads me towards conclusion. 
Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. That's what Wangani was reading for us at the beginning here. Even the youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord or those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Divine renewal is declared over your family, declared over your business, declared over your life in Jesus' holy name. So in a time like now, when there are more questions than answers, I have come to propose for all of us here today that God wants us to accept our limitations. Number two, he wants us to focus on his mission in our lives. Number three, he wants us to be assured of his enduring care. Number four, he wants us to be assured of his uh, sustained sovereignty. Number five, he wants us to be assured of divine renewal. Let him come and renew your strength today. I'll ask Mongani to come and the band to take their position as we go before the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody else, rise to your feet. And let's, let's, let's just come before the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yes, God. We wait on you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Strength, they will mount up upon wings like the 
standing. I want you to be able to interact with the Lord. He's in this place right now and he's pouring out his Holy Spirit. Giving us an opportunity to experience renewal. During this season, you may be tired and famished and understandably worried. Understandably worried about your children, about your job, about the future. But today he's saying, be still and know that I am God. And you don't have to feel bad noticing that there's some things you have failed to do. We have to accept our limitations. There's nothing bad about, oh no, I failed to do this. No, previously I could do this. There's no problem. Accept your limitations. No worries about that. No need to lose sleep over that. But surely, God has a mission for you. That's the thing to focus on. Celebrate. And in these few moments, beloved, I want you to process some of what we've been talking about here. Just process that. God cares for you. You're not abandoned. And that's the reason why I say we must, in this moment also, take the same care that we're experiencing from God and spread it and care for one another. Reach out to one another. Extremely important. He's sovereign. It just means, beloved, it doesn't matter what circumstances are looking like, things will shape at some point. They will because he's in control. Hallelujah. So go ahead and talk to the Lord right now and believe him for renewal, for a touch right where you are. For a touch like right where you are. In the next few weeks we'll prepare a little bit for being able to do an altar call and so on once we've worked with our, our cameraman and uh, our media team in this, this live arrangement. So just carry on for now. You can pray right where you are and let that be your altar right where you are. Reach out to God and let him reach out to you. He's, he's in this place and I, I sense him right now coming and and touching and reaching out to each one of us. And may you sense him picking you up and bringing you close to his heart. Yes, Lord. Yeah, yeah, Lord. Still, be still and 